I fully believe that God put the desire on my heart for India because I had never been there. No one in my family ever had. But as I became in middle school and high school, I just became obsessed with the culture and everything about it. And so then when I got to college, I wanted to go on a mission trip to India and they didn't have one. And I said, can I start one? And so I figured out how to start a mission trip to India. We went to an orphanage for a month over Christmas break. It was amazing. And I came back and I said, one day I'm adopting from India. Like it's going to happen. So the next week, my husband and I went on our first date ever. In that first date, I said to him, just so you know, one day I'm adopting from India. So if you're not for this, like there's no need to continue this relationship. Welcome to a new episode of the Lively Last Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. I'm James Duvall, and I'm here with Lisa, my beautiful wife and co-host. Hey, friends. We are really thankful for you downloading each new episode and listening to us. This week, we have Kimberly Beam Holmes with us on the podcast. Kimberly is the CEO of Marriage Helper, an organization focused on saving, fixing, growing, and rebuilding marriages through online resources, workshops, and marriage coaching. Our time with Kimberly was so much fun, and the stories she shares are absolutely incredible. You will want to listen all the way to the end because Kimberly also gives some practical advice on Valentine's Day, which Mr. Duvall is just right around the corner. I hear you. But before we get to the conversation, there are a couple things I want to make sure everyone is aware of. First, I want to remind listeners that the easiest way to stay up on new episodes, show notes, bonus content, and exclusive offers and have them delivered directly to your inbox each week is to text the word LIVE, L-I-V-E, to the number 22. The second thing is that we are starting a new Facebook group that we would love to invite you to join. You can go to facebook.com backslash groups backslash live lead last. Again, that's facebook.com backslash groups backslash live lead last. So check that out and join the conversation. Very cool. I love it. Well, let's jump into our conversation with Kimberly Beam Holmes. Kimberly, welcome to the podcast and thank you for taking time to spend with us and our listeners. Oh my goodness, Lisa. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be with both of you. We're so fascinated with your story and the background of people's lives. Everybody comes from different journeys and we've talked on this podcast, some of our journey, at least your journey. Mm -hmm. And Kimberly, you have a really fascinating backstory to what you're doing today. So could you share with our listeners a little bit of your history? Yeah. Well, who? I first started working at Marriage Helper almost 10 years ago now. And honestly, it wasn't something that I ever thought I would do, but I loved the vision and mission of what Marriage Helper was doing. And when I first got started just doing executive assistant type stuff, I really caught the vision of all of the marriages that were being impacted at Marriage Helper. And the way that Marriage Helper started was the founder of Marriage Helper, his name is Dr. Joe Beam. He, back in the 1980s, was a very successful and prominent speaker, especially in the denomination that he was in. So to give you just an idea, his speaking schedule was booked five years out. Wow. That is how, quote, unquote, popular he was as a minister and as a speaker, an evangelist. He was in his 30s. It was just the time for him, right? Like things were going amazing. And it was at that time that he got involved with a woman at his church Mm. and had an affair and fell madly in love with this other person. The woman he was married to at the time, her name was Alice. They had two children together. They were 12 and seven at that time. And he said, I am in love with this other woman. I'm leaving you. I'm leaving you and our children and I'm going to be with her. And 
he divorced her. Now, coming from this background, right? Like he was this successful. His church was growing. Mm. And this is what happened because this is what Satan loves to do. He left, he divorced her and they were divorced for three years. He got, of course, kicked out of the church. But also, I don't know if you are familiar with this term, but disfellowshipped from many other churches across the country because of what he had done. And for those three years, he would tell you himself that he did things he never thought he'd do, said things he never thought he'd say, went places he'd never thought he'd go. He became a person he didn't know anymore. And at the end of that three years, it was kind of like he woke up one day and said, what have I done? And he didn't know what to do next. But the only thing he felt like was the right next thing to do was to call Alice, his first wife, and ask her if she would take him back. Wow. Everyone in her life told her not to. Her parents, her church members, everyone said, you cannot trust him ever again. Why would you go back to him? But they had two daughters together. So Joe still would see his daughters every other weekend. He never missed a time like that in those three years. But at the end of it, she said, I I feel like Joe is a good person who has done some very bad things. But the right thing to do is to try and make this work. So they got remarried. And both of them would tell you that when they got remarried, they did not feel in love with each other. They did it because they knew it was the right thing to do. They built their love from that. They would also be the first to tell you that they almost got divorced again because they didn't actually (laughs) fix any of the issues Mm -hmm. that had caused the divorce in the first place because, of course, the affair was just a symptom of some deeper things that were happening. Right. But they figured it out. They were committed to it because of their children, because it was the kind of people that both of them wanted to be. They fell in love with each other again. Joe became a minister again. And all of those things were able to come back together. But what's even more amazing, I think, is that they took what they went through and both of them said, now, how can we use this to help other marriages? Love it. Mm. And so Joe being a researcher, being a speaker, he also has his PhD. He's also, interestingly, a sexologist. So all of these things he created in 1999, a three-day course for couples, especially couples in crisis that to this day has a 77% success rate at saving marriage. Wow. which is totally a God thing. The other part of this story that is definitely worth mentioning is that after Joe and Alice remarried and got back together, they had another child that they would say is their celebration of their second marriage. And that child is me. Wow. And so I love it. I am very well aware that I owe my life, mm. my, my existence as who I am and what I'm doing today to the fact that two people did the right thing and saved their marriage. When I started working at Marriage Helper, like I said at the beginning of this, you know, eight, 10 years ago, I never thought I would go into the quote unquote family business. But once I really got started in it and saw the impact it was making in thousands of other people's life and realizing those people are like my parents were. And who knows what could come from them saving their marriage and putting it back together and having a stronger relationship than ever before. Because as I said, I owe my life to it. So I am passionate about doing that. I'm passionate about it for the both of the spouses for the marriage sake, but I'm also passionate about it for the children's sake. Mm -hmm. Over time, about five years ago, I became the CEO and I just have loved watching the way that this organization has impacted 
COVID, over 250,000 marriages impacted now. Wow. That's fantastic. So, I love it. I love and it. It all came from a story of brokenness, right? That's so amazing. People try to find their purpose or their reason for what they do. And you were born with a per- I mean, your purpose <laughs> was initiated from the, you're the return on investment, basically, of mm. your mom and dad working through their marriage struggles. And now you get to pay back what God did in their life into other couples' lives, which is really, really cool. It's a powerful story for it sure. It is. I love the story. As I was researching you and getting to know you and I saw this story, it just, my heart went, what a cool way to tell it and what a cool way mm. that God is using you to help bring life and healing in marriages. So obviously I can get choked up about yeah. this because it's really it's powerful. It is powerful. We were just telling our son last night, people get a lot of things right. They get careers right. They make money right. They are successful, but not everyone can get marriage right. And so it takes a lot of work. Yeah. And so yeah. I love what you guys are doing, investing in marriages. And James and I love doing the same. So our hearts are connected with what you're doing and your story. But I'm imagining you have a lot when you talk about the number, the sheer number of marriages impacted. Your story is beautiful, but you think about each and every story and the legacy that's connected to each and every one of those stories. Really cool that your your family and the family business is having such a spiritual investment in the world, but also just relationally what that's doing in our society and strong families create a strong culture that we get to live in. Yeah, one of the things we say a lot, Kimberly, is that every number has a name and every Every name has a story. And so those 250,000 mm-hmm. couples that you guys have worked with, everyone, it's not just a number, it's it's names. So those people and each one has a story that they're writing for, for their next generation. You know, it's really cool. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So you and your husband have adopted a son and daughter from India. We're so intrigued by this. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Oh my goodness. Yes. So <laughs> this is my favorite journey we've been on so far because it actually started when I was six years old. My parents took our family on a cruise one year and we went to different places down in the Caribbean. But one of the places we stopped was Honduras. We explored that day, you know, picked seashells up off the beach, all this stuff. And as we were going back to the port to get back on the boat, there were these three young children about my age. Each one was, you know, a couple of years older, a couple of years younger, and they were selling seashells. Their clothes were tattered. They weren't wearing shoes. Like they were dirty. You could just tell they were different than me. Right. My mom bought three of these seashells. Now, you know my mom is a saint from the story I just told. But the other <laughs> side of my mother is she is frugal as anything. We grew up going to yard sales. Yeah. Like she will not let go of a dollar bill until George Washington's face is blue. So <laughs> I see this happening. And even at six years old, I'm thinking, this doesn't make sense. Like we have seashells that we just picked up today. Once the kids went away, I said, mom, why did you do that? And my parents looked at me and they said, Kimberly, these kids don't have the life that you have. They don't have the mountains of toys in their closet in their room, they might not even be able to eat food tonight. And so this is our way to help them. We don't need the seashells, but we want to just help them however we can. Mm -hmm. And as we were going back to that boat, I was bawling because I like I couldn't wrap my mind around the sheer contrast of their life. And I couldn't do it. And so from that day forward, again, I get choked up thinking (laughs) about it because it made such an impact on me. But from that day forward, I knew I wanted to do something with children. Like I cared about kids. I cared about orphans. I fully believe that God put the desire on my heart for India because I had never been there. No one in my family ever had. But as I became in middle school and high school, I just became obsessed with the culture and everything about it. And so then when I got to college, I wanted to go on a mission trip to India and they didn't have one. And I said, can I start one? 
And so I figured out how to start a mission trip to India. We went to an orphanage for a month over Christmas break. It was amazing. And I came back and I said, one day I'm adopting from India. Like it's going to happen. So the next week, my husband and I went on our first date ever. In that first date, I said to him, just so you know, one day I'm adopting from India. So if you're not for this, like there's no need to continue this relationship. <laughs> but he was like, great. I mean, he probably thought I was half crazy, but he That's said, a yeah, big absolutely. Well, to make on your first date. That's right. <laughs> it is. <laughs> It is. It is. But it's just something we always talked about. So it became something we knew we'd always do. On January 29th of 2017, my husband and I were going to a church at that time that started a 30-day fast starting on that day. And I was so anticipatory of what God was going to do. Like I just entered into it with like, I feel like God's going to do something amazing. And we got to the end of that 30 days and I felt like nothing had happened. And I was so confused and a little frustrated because it's like, God, you tell us when we pray and fast and seek you, like you will move, you will do something. And both of us were just kind of like, oh, we don't know. We don't know what's happening. That summer, we began to actually look into starting the adoption process. My husband had gotten out of the military. We had gotten connected with an organization that knew how to do adoptions from India. And we started that process. Fast forward to the next summer, we finally get our match. And there's so much that happened during this, like so much that happened. So even during that time, we knew we wanted to adopt an older girl. Like that just was what was on our hearts. We had people telling us we didn't want to adopt older children, that they would never attach to us, that we would have problems. During that process, we really felt like God started saying, there's more than one, like there's two, we need siblings. And people told us it's impossible. You're never going to get siblings from India. So we finally found an agency that that said, we believe you. Like if God is telling you this, we will walk with you however long it takes. So about six months later, we we got this match that came through and our adoption agency presented to us. And it was a beautiful older girl. She was almost four at the time and a little boy who was almost two. He was a year, a year and a half. As we were looking at the at their medical files, we realized he was born on January 29th. 2017. Wow. And I just, and I thought back and was like, all that frustration I had of God, why aren't you moving? God, why aren't you doing? Like, I knew something was going to happen, but I couldn't see it. And then we see that it started like God had prepared it before we even began moving. That's amazing. And that continued to happen throughout the rest of the adoption process. So from the time we got matched with them, it took about eight months before we ever got to see them in person. And by the first time we saw them in person, we were bringing them home. So we were only going off God's saying go and these are their pictures, right? Like that's all we had. And during that eight months, it was more brutal than the months before because now we know where they are and we see their faces and every day that passes, they're getting older. And both of them had birthdays before we could bring them home. You know, we had to celebrate a Christmas and all this time I'm thinking, God, you could do this quicker. Like you could do it overnight if you wanted to. You could get all the paperwork done and everyone say go, all of this to happen. And I was so again, frustrated with God that it was taking so long. When we got to India and we went to the orphanage that first day to pick them up, it was 10 a.m. on a Wednesday. And we met with the orphanage director for 30 minutes before they brought the kids in. And we got to ask him questions and he was telling us about them. And during the last question I asked him is I said, do they know that they're leaving today? Because sometimes they don't. I mean, we had heard horror stories of other kids who didn't had no idea. The orphanage director said, Kimberly, they don't just know that they're leaving today. They're excited. Hmm. They've packed bags <laughs> because for the past eight months, we have been meeting with them every week and showing them your pictures wow. and telling them about where they're going. 
and showing them the house that they're going to live in. They know what's happening and they can't wait to go with you. That's so cool. And again, it's like during that time of the waiting, God was preparing. God was getting it to happen because in our adoption process has been amazing. They attached to us beautifully. I mean, it took work, but I believe the only reason it has gone so well is because God prepared it. Those people telling them what was going to happen, showing them our pictures, God was working and all of that. And while I was frustrated from my standpoint, God was like, no, Kimberly, I'm doing something greater than you could see. That is in a nutshell, our adoption story, which has been beautiful. And we love our children That's more amazing. than anything. It is beautiful. I'm just going, how many great stories are you going to get? In I know. It's like a <laughs> drop the mic moment twice already in the podcast. It's like, okay, what's okay, next? So- I'm talking way too much. Y'all need <laughs> no. to, no, no. <laughs> need to you know, be I, more I was thinking one of my favorite worship songs right now is Waymaker. And the, the lyric of the bridge says, even when I don't see it, your work. Working. Mm-hmm. The fact that God was working all that behind the scenes. I mean, the date, January 29th, mm. the eight months, I think it re- even relates to people who may be struggling in their marriages. It's like sometimes we don't see the work that God's doing, but He's always working. We just have to stay faithful and, and trust and pray. So that's such a powerful story, though. Well, the other thing I think about just even both the story of your dad and how you came into that, and then this story is just a story of perseverance, mm-hmm. of pursuing what you know God is calling you to do, being prayerful faithful and knowing that it's all going to work out in the end, which all sounds beautiful and looks beautiful on your social media feed. But there's just like lots of work behind each of those photos of even celebrating birthdays and Christmas and knowing that they're coming or hoping that they're coming and not knowing for sure. You're right, James, in marriage, when you're investing in your marriage, when it's in crisis or investing in your marriage day in and day out in the mundane, it all builds and comes together and, you know, just faithful in the small things for sure. So James and I have the opportunity to work with a lot of couples who are preparing for marriage as well as helping married couples and strengthening their relationships and sometimes even couples who are in crisis also. So this past year of 2020 has been challenging on many levels for couples. I'm interested in what you are seeing in marriages today through your work at Marriage Helper. Really what we're what we're beginning to see a whole lot more of is the couples that have been able to sweep things under the rug for years, maybe even decades. They can't sweep it under the rug anymore yeah. because being confined to the same house, schedules being upheavaled, everything being chaotic, it's bringing all of it out. And so we're already starting to see in society these COVID divorces that are being painted as the perfect solution because now you can have your two weeks of alone time where you can work and de-stress and self-care and just totally feel good about yourself. And then you'll have two weeks of being a parent and having your kids. It's the perfect way to solve the crisis that we're in, right? That's what society is saying. It's just heartbreaking. Because it doesn't have to be that way. And what we see at Marriage Helper all the time, COVID or not, is that there are people who feel like there is no hope for them. Because either they have never seen another example of someone who's struggled in their marriage because people don't want to talk about it. They believe that they're an anomaly and that they married the wrong person or they just have irreconcilable differences or an affair could never be forgiven, right? Like all of Mm -hmm. these things they believe that aren't true because they haven't seen it work or they just can't see, like even what we were talking about, they can't see a future where they can be happy again. 
And so what we're seeing are people where one of them is saying, I really feel like this is hopeless, but I'm, I'm grasping for anything. And of course, we're seeing those people who are saying, I'm just done. Like, I'm done with the way life has been. This year has made it even harder. And I want out more than ever. And it can be difficult when you're the spouse wanting to make it work when that's the attitude of the other person. Right. But what we always encourage people with is just because your spouse wants a divorce or wants out of the marriage or says that they don't love you anymore. That doesn't mean that you personally have to give up and stop doing the things that are still going to make you be the best version of you that you can be and lay a foundation for hopefully your spouse to come back. And so what we teach is the, if anything works, this will. The things that we teach at Marriage Helper have been research proven, but more than that, they have been proven in the lives of real people, over 250,000 of them. And what's always interesting to me is every one of them, even though we don't start here necessarily, but when we look at the research, it always is going to be backed by something scripture says. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I just love how that happens. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the Bible told us that. But um, so that's what we really want to encourage people with it. Even if you feel like it is hopeless, even if your spouse wants out, even if there's been a divorce filed, whatever it's been, there is still hope for your marriage. Even if it feels completely hopeless, there is still hope. That's so good. And you mentioned earlier that the process that you take couples through is very successful. I think I read that after seven years, 77% Mm -hmm. of the couples are still married. That's amazing. So can you tell us a little bit about what the process looks like? And I know you offer a free mini course for couples yeah. that they can get your website. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. The main thing that we do is our three-day workshop. That is what we're best known for. That's what has the 77% success rate. One of the reasons that it's so effective is because the alternative, so to say, that a lot of people go to is they try and get their spouse to go to counseling with them. And when a marriage is in crisis like this, or even if a marriage is just going through a a period of stress, one of the downsides of counseling, and I have, I was trained as a marriage and family therapist. So there are amazing counselors and I love them. But one of the downsides of therapy or counseling is if you have a spouse who wants out and then they're sitting across the table from the professional, it's very likely that they're going to feel defensive, right? Like they don't want to be there in the first place, all of those things. The other downside is if you do not vet your counselor and you don't know what they believe about marriage, because spoiler alert, not every counselor and therapist is pro-marriage. That's true. Even if they're in the marriage therapy business. And we have heard way too many times that my counselor said, we just needed to get a divorce. My counselor said, we just needed to separate. And once the spouse who wants out, hears that from a professional. Mm -hmm. That's all they need to say, see, can't work. One foot out the door, like I'm gone. So that is kind of the alternative that most people think of when their marriage is going through trouble. Like we think we need to go to counseling, but a lot of times counseling isn't the best option because of a lot of reasons, but those two are main ones. The three-day workshop that we have, the way it's different is it's a group setting. You're not going to have as much defensiveness, even for the person who wants out. Additionally, 80% of the couples who come, there's one spouse who wants out. So you're not going to be the only person there who's not happy day one Mm -hmm. and just not wanting to be there. The other thing is it's very educational in nature and actually entertaining too. Our workshop facilitators do a really great job of building rapport and making connections with every person. And even as they're presenting the material, you know, they're making jokes and they're telling stories 
stories that are really engaging people. So for three days, it's a lot of self-learning. I mean, a lot of people leave at the end of that third day and say, I learned more about myself in this three days than ever before. But it also has breakout sessions where they break out into smaller groups and people answer some questions. But again, it's all more as a group. And so what's amazing is at the end of it, you see we weren't alone and we're not alone. There's other people who are experiencing this with me. You see more about yourself. You've learned more about yourself. You've been able to learn how to see things better from your spouse's perspective. And while at the end of that three days, everyone still has a choice, it is planted seeds because we have taught for 24 hours worth of content. These are the best things to do for healthy relationships. By the end of it, it's planted seeds that may grow to fruition in the next couple of weeks, sometimes the next couple of months. Sometimes for some people, it takes a year or two, Mm -hmm. but those principles get in people's souls. And then when it's watered and when you apply it and when you are consistent with it, it makes huge changes in marriages. That is what our three-day workshop does. It's amazing to see the turnaround. One of the things we talk a lot about is when marriages get in crisis, they tend to isolate. Mm -hmm. And and so when you can bring people in community and they begin to see that I'm not Mm -hmm. alone in this, or they isolate me because they're embarrassed or or scared to talk about or whatever. It's it's amazing. We do an event. It's a date night. It's just about laughter. And how many times we've heard couples say, man, it was just awesome being around other couples and seeing that people could laugh and have fun. And so that community aspect of what you do is I'm sure very powerful. So the free mini course, what does that look oh, like? Yeah. So the free mini course, it's about how to get your spouse back, but really it's also about how to get your spouse to talk to you. And so this could be applicable to not just if your spouse is physically gone, but if you feel like your spouse is emotionally distant and you're not talking the way that you used to, you're really just trying to figure out a way to reconnect. And in that free mini course, it's some video lessons that teach you what we call smart contact. So it's a method, kind of a framework of a way that you can speak to your spouse without pushing them away or without making matters worse. We teach you about that, how to implement it in your marriage. We also teach you about how to work on yourself and why that's important for you to not just put all of your focus on your spouse or what's wrong in your marriage, because you can't control. You can't control what your spouse does. You can only control what you do. So we teach you some ways that you can begin doing that in the mini course as well. And yeah, I say everyone should go and go through it. Awesome. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes for sure. So people can check that out. Well, the website is packed full of great content and resources for people to get a hold of and increase their relationship and their marriage communication in all different areas. I loved it. I've spent a lot of time just perusing through all of that. I want you to talk about one of those resources that it starts with attraction assessment. Can you tell us a little mm. bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So one of the things we teach at Marriage Helper, we talk about the love path. So there's actually a process to follow in love. And if you follow the process, then you can fall more in love with your spouse or fall in love again with your spouse. But if you stop following the process, then you can fall out of love, even if you don't mean to. And there's four stages of this process, but the first stage of it is the stage of attraction. And it doesn't just have to do with how someone looks. That's actually not the most important part of attraction. There's four parts of attraction, physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. We talk all about that. Again, that's even in the in the free mini course. But for people who are saying, I want to feel better about myself, We created an attraction assessment for you so that you can go through and there's a part for each of those. So for the P-I-E-N-S, the physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual, we call them the pies. There's about 10 questions that you can rate yourself based on the questions and then see the areas that you're rating high in, meaning that you're doing well here, way to go, keep rocking it. And the areas that you might be rating low in that you should put more attention and focus in, in order for you to feel better about yourself and to be focusing on being the best you can be. But people can get 
that assessment by going to it starts with attraction.com. And it's separate from marriage helpers stuff because it's really more focused on the individual. So I have a podcast I do called it starts with attraction, where every week we're diving into one of those areas and how you can do tangible, practical things that will make you more attractive in each of those areas. That's awesome. I love that. I love pies. We'll do a bad dad joke here, but I'll just stick with what pies actually stands for. We all appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Everywhere said, amen. So Kimberly, in a few days, it will be Valentine's Day. That's like extremely important, like high holy days, we call it for some of our friends. Knowing that you deal with relationships and marriage, would you have any romance suggestions for our listeners as they make plans to express their love to their significant other? Yes. So I have two, I have two thoughts about this. The first thought and encouragement I want to give people is manage what your expectations are of Valentine's Day. Do you remember several years ago when Ashley Madison was popular, that affair site every year would say that their biggest day of the year of users was the day after Valentine's Day. Because on Valentine's Day, people realized their relationship wasn't what they wanted it to be. The expectations they had for whatever was going to happen on that night didn't happen. They felt less than, and so they went searching for something else the next day. Interesting. So I want to encourage people, look first for your expectations and ask yourself, are they reasonable? So my first, my first one is manage your expectations. But that second part is don't feel bad having a conversation with your spouse. And it doesn't have to be a huge sit down. We need to have a meeting about Valentine's Day. (laughs) But maybe just in passing, you say, hey, Valentine's Day is coming up. I would really love if we could do something like this. What do you think? And I know a lot of women, especially, I don't know if men, James, you can tell us, I don't know if men think this way as much, but a lot of women will say, if he doesn't think of it, then it doesn't count. I would argue that it's when a husband or a wife when a spouse does something that's against their character out of what they would normally do because they know it's something that you want and they know it's something that that would really just make your relationship better. When they do it more intentionally because you've asked for it and they're doing it, showing you that they love you, that that's a greater form of love. And so those are my two pieces of encouragement. Keep the night fun. Don't put way too many expectations on it. We typically close our conversation with some random questions so our listeners can get to know you. Are you cool to do a little bit of would you rather? Are you up for it? Yes, absolutely. This sounds so fun. Okay, so this has nothing to do with marriage, nothing probably beneficial in the planet. but There's just to no have- value to this at all, just, <laughs> but pure mayhem. That's right. Okay, that's right. So I'm going to start out. Would you rather have very slow internet or always have really bad phone signal? Always have bad phone signal. I would agree. Yeah, internet. You got to live with the internet. So you need it to be as quick as possible, I I think. Okay, so would you rather always have flights delayed or always be seated by annoying people on the plane? Oh, that's a hard one. But I would rather sit by annoying people because I hate being in airports. Just depends on how you define (laughs) annoying, I think, is what I would have to say. Okay, would you rather only eat French fries or only eat tater tots? Oh, neither. But if they were both sweet potato based, then I would say sweet potato fries. Oh, so you don't eat potatoes. I don't eat like fries or tater tots. No, no. I'm more of a sweet potato. What person. about you, Lisa? What would you say? Well, I would say I would rather have French fries only because tater tots aren't readily available. Tater tots get a little soggy. Oh, good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a really serious one. Would you rather oink like a pig when someone talks about food or make kung fu moves every time someone talks about music? 
kung fu moves every time someone talks about music. <laughs> Easy. Definitely. Could you imagine just walking down the street, somebody mentions something, like, Hua! you have to make the sound effects to go with it. So. Oh, gosh. Okay. Would you rather be able to text using abbreviations or emojis? Only emojis. Could you do a whole sentence with just emojis, you think? I think I can. Yeah. I, I, interestingly, I played out like the story of Abraham taking Isaac to the mountain to kill him in emojis. Really? <laughs> yes, I did. And it made sense. <laughs> because there's there's an old man, there's like a young kid, there's a mountain, there's a knife with blood on it, there's a ram. Wow. Then <laughs> there's the praise hands. I think there I could do it. I think you I could, could do, do it. it. Kimberly, this has been really awesome. And thanks again for being on the podcast. If listeners wanted to learn more about you or about Marriage Helper, where would you send them online? MarriageHelper.com. You can also go to the YouTube channel, which has a ton of free videos on there, which is just youtube.com slash marriage helper. And then if you want to know more about how to increase your personal attraction, then you can go to it starts with attraction.com. I'm going to put all that in the show notes so our listeners can go there and check all that stuff out. So thanks again Thank for being on the show with us today. Thank you both. I had a great conversation. I so appreciate your hospitality. We hope to do it again soon. I'm telling you, that story about her mom and dad is just incredible. She had me at celebration of their second marriage, and that child was me. Talk about a legacy. Yeah, when you said had me at, it reminded me of Jerry Maguire, like, you had me at hello. That's what I was doing that for, James. (laughs) And that story about the adoption of the kids is just insane how it all worked together. Really cool. Well, next week, we have another really great guest, Zach Mathers. He has a podcast called Braving the Journey. He's a recovery coach who helps people coming out of addiction. And he loves sharing the story of the struggles and victories through his life, from living in the place of shame to living his true identity. It's going to be really good. I can't wait for it. You can find the show notes to this and every every show at www.liveleadlast.com. And you can text the word live, L-I-V-E, to the number 22454 to have new episodes, show notes, bonus content, and exclusive offers delivered directly to your inbox each week. That's right. You can also follow us on Instagram and or Facebook at Live Lead Last Podcast. And we want to invite you to join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Live Lead Last. Leave us comments or DM us. We love to hear from you and get some feedback on the show. This week, like every week, we want to encourage you to lead your life and leverage your influence in a way that leaves the legacy you want for tomorrow. Until next week, bye-bye. Bye-bye.